and we're back with the Give Him Jesus podcast. First one of 2020. 2020. 2020. Vision. Uh, vision. Oh, my, I'm so tired of hearing that. <laughs> I watch the news and that's all they're talking about. They're like the powerful 20s and the 2020 vision and all these preachers are getting ready to preach a 2020 sermon. and Yeah, all the... um. Being a church media guy and like designer, that's the trending thing is how many pastors are doing a 2020 vision sermon series and what are your graphics? Yeah, I know so, there's a lot, but yeah. I mean, you can't blame them. Hey, you know, it's there. Gotta uh, do what you gotta do. Yeah, folks, as always, I'm Luke Hawk and Joss with Give Them Jesus. I have my friend, my brother in, in the ministry, Hunter Brobst. If you have not already, go check out his other podcast, Lit P. Life in the Pocket, they're on episode 18. Is yeah. that correct? Episode 18. Whoa. We're on episode five. Uh, so we're we'll on get a, there. We'll get there. We'll get you there. You know. Uh, yeah. Hey, before we get into anything, how's your Christmas? Christmas was good. Uh-huh. Um, I would just say I'm very... Well, let me let me just start from the beginning. Start you from know, the beginning. It's in podcast. the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, Genesis. Um, Christmas was great. It was the first kind of real Christmas that my daughter participated in. She's two on December 26th, so she was like a Christmas baby. Mm. But um, So she got all kinds of stuff, and we did the whole drive to everybody that you're related to's house. Yeah. And um, that's fun, I guess. (laughs) And uh, so then that moves us into New Year's. And um, I would just say I'm glad to be with y'all today mm. uh, because I almost <laughs> lost my life. Um, I had absolutely nothing to do with on that. New Year's due to a fireworks accident that was caused by Luke Hawk and Joss. Very true, but um, it was prevented by Blake Lewis. So. It was Blake Lewis's. He had the idea to move the fireworks away from the house. I think we were scaring him a little, and. Uh, if we wouldn't have done that, we would have been blowing up cars and people. Uh, so, Blake, if you're listening, which you probably aren't, good job. Probably not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, it, but that's the thing. is like I would have done the same thing because I've popped fireworks for so many years. I would consider myself a veteran. Mm. I know what they're going to do. I know how high they're going to go. Mm-hmm. I want to say yeah. we had no clue on these fireworks. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised. I thought there was something wrong with the manufacturer. So. It was probably something wrong with the the shooter offer. Um, I probably yeah. He was struggling a little, a little bit. bit, but that is the lighter's fault. So we're well, good. Yeah. I'm glad you had a good Christmas, good New Year's, and uh, man, we're back. So what we got this morning, Hunter Brooks? I got one question. One question. I was thinking about it last night. Before I was laying, or as I was laying in bed, before I was drifting off into dreamland. Mr. Sandman. Yeah. So, um, for, this is an attic question. Okay. Okay. How many, or do any, or do all, would you say, addicts, when they are using, let's say they're in the middle of, you know, I guess you could say, you can't see time, you can't see from... 30,000 feet above, let's just say they're in the middle of their period of time that they're using. Mm -hmm. So during that period of time, is there any like, man, I probably shouldn't be doing this. 
type thing. Yeah. So is there a time where they know the addiction pretty much has, you know, that's pretty much making the making the calls? That's a good question. Uh, for me personally, I would say yes, there was. Um, but what happens is you're so consumed with your addiction and you're so consumed with your pride that when it happens and you feel like, man, this isn't something I should be doing, um, I don't need to be in this place, you know, I don't need to have this needle in my arm, I don't need to have um, this pipe in my hand, I don't, I don't need to be here. Um, usually when that thought happens, something happens between you and your family as you're trying to get out of that place, which pushes you even further down into your addiction. Um, because here's the thing. Most people don't just start out um, jamming needles in their veins or you know, smoking on a pipe with full of meth or crack. I mean, it, that's not usually where it starts. It usually starts in something small and it grows. A gateway drug is what you hear people use an awful lot of times, uh, especially in the D.A.R.E. program. They always um, teach that, what is that, drugs, alcohol resistance enforcement or something? I don't know. All I, I know is I failed. D, I won't do drugs. <laughs> A, won't have an attitude. R, I will respect myself. E, I will educate me. Boom. Whoa. Yeah, I failed yeah. there uh, yeah. multiple times. But they teach about gateway drugs. And you never, when you're young, you think that that's just hogwash, that that's foolish, that I can smoke all I want to, and it's never going to lead into anything. I can drink, and it's not going to lead into anything. But, you know, usually I'd say 95% of the time it does lead into something harder because you want to experience something else or you don't want to look like the only person that's doing that, that's just drinking and not smoking. So it usually starts with a smaller dosage or a smaller drug, and it grows into being the, quote, junkie. Uh, and when we when we call people a junkie, we're not saying that like in a judgmental state of mind. That's just by definition, that's what they are. Uh, and so when they get to that point, there's usually that moment of clarity that comes in. And I believe it's the Holy Spirit trying to draw that person back and wake them up from their misery and wake them up and bring them back to their senses. And it's like, man, what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is not right. This isn't the plan that I have for you. And in that moment, there's that moment of clarity to where if, if somebody can get to them and get them in a place where they can be protected, a place where they can be uh, loved on and those things, then usually that moment will wake them up. But if they don't make it to some place like that, that moment's very short-lived. Yeah, I was um, when I was thinking, I, was, I feel like a lot of people have the view of have just a negative connotation where somebody who does, you know, illegal drugs, it's more of like a they're a bad person and that's just part of their bad lifestyle and they like to do it because that's they're just bad type mm-hmm. thing. When if you really think about it, any addiction, even the ones that are legal, whether it's alcohol or something, it's something you tried just to see the effects of. Maybe um, maybe you were forced into it or something like that where it was probably, but 99 or 90% of the people it was like, a, hmm, I want to see what this does. Mm-hmm. And the first time you're like, oh, that was kind of cool. And then your body can take it or your mind can take it and you 
rely on it, mm. just like anything else. Mine was all peer pressure. You know, I was 13 when I was offered alcohol for the first time, and because I wanted what this person had, that's what I, I took. And then I started noticing that people paid me a lot of attention, older people, if I was carrying around a beer or drunk or drinking. They thought it was funny. That just shows you the wonderful class of people that I was hanging around where they thought a 14-year-old stumbling around drunk was funny. But then the meth, you know, that took it under peer pressure um, mm -hmm. because I wanted people to think that I was hard. I wanted the bad boy image. Uh, that's just, and that's what I felt like I needed to succeed in life were, were those things. And I don't come from a bad family. You know, very few people in the drug world come from drug addiction. Mm -hmm. I mean, their statistics are would shock you to look at to see that not all junkies, not all crack dealers, they don't all just come from those places. I mean, there are some people who's who are in addiction whose parents are in the ministry. Uh, there are some people whose parents who were in the ministry are now called in addiction. You know, it's it it plays no favoritism. Uh, it has no, like, drugs don't only affect those that are in lower class. Um, the devil doesn't only tempt the homeless people with prostitution. The devil doesn't only tempt those. I mean, it, it doesn't pick and choose who. It's it's out to steal, kill, and destroy for on anybody. You know, so never think that you're exempt from falling into that. And like I told the church Sunday, you know, for those of you that think that a drug addict and drug dealer can never amount to anything, can never come out of that, you know, one of them is standing in front of you preaching the gospel right now. And I think there's so many people in the church that think that they see somebody, and it's very obvious if you know what you're looking for to see somebody that's using. And I think a lot of times we see those people and we say, well, that person's hopeless. And then we may go home and drink a 12-pack and get drunk, and, you know, and and we think that what we're doing is better than what they're mm -hmm. doing because ours is quote legal. Yeah. You know, here's the deal. What are you going to say when they when they make methamphetamine legal because it was only in the 1970s when methamphetamine became a controlled dangerous substance. And I see it one day people trying to make it come back as a legal drug. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do when that happens? Are you going to say, "Ooh, hey, it's legal now. It's okay." Uh, no. Like you shouldn't because mm -hmm. I mean Anyways, that's another soapbox. That's good. Yeah. I was just, um, I've been thinking a lot about that. We don't have to talk about this either, but um, I've also been thinking a lot about people who grow up in families that are in a very poor state. Um, let's just say uh, whether it's a husband and wife, whether they're still married, whether they're not married, but the parents make bad choices um, and... I was listening to a podcast. Oh, let me let's just go ahead and talk. You're a about podcaster it. that listens to a podcast. Yes, it was. It's called Song Exploder. Song Exploder. So, yeah. So me as a guy who um, likes to make music, they take these songs and they. Um, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> they take these songs and. Um, they, the guy who made the song talks about it and then shows you little pieces of the song and kind of gives you a background of the song. It's pretty cool to listen to. So this guy, I wasn't really pumped about 
you know, I liked the first two episodes because I liked the artist and I liked the song. The next episode was, I can't even remember his name, but it's a rapper. And not that I don't like rappers. I just don't really like rap music. I used to. I don't really like it anymore. And um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to give everything a fair shot. I'm going to listen to it. And this guy was talking about how um, <clears throat> a line in his song was that, you know, a grandma or an old lady comes out in the middle of the street after a a kid's been shot or a younger guy has been shot. And she's like, just breathe, just breathe. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a moment where you're like, man, that's rough. Yeah. But um, he was basically explaining the whole thing of, he said, you grow up in a family in a part of town that's dangerous. Um, your family doesn't make good decisions. People tell you that you can get out. Um, of the situation, and he said, I do believe you can get out of the situation, he said, but it's extremely difficult to get out of the situation. And he was like, so, for instance, let's say um, my brother was in a gang. Um, he was killed in that gang. Uh, so at this point, people who knew my brother by name who were in an opposite game, gang, they know my last name too. So they could just see me and be like, hey, that's old dude's brother and want to beat me up, kill me, whatever. And he said, then I have the my brother's gang who was fond of my brother and they're trying to pick me up to be in their gang. He said, so um, me being paranoid, thinking somebody's out to get me, I start carrying around a gun. Mm-hmm. And he said, so then I'm in a situation where this is what happened. I think the guy was describing. He said he carried around a gun and... um something happened to where the police searched him and obviously he wasn't, I think he was underage or something like that. He said, at that point, the judge doesn't care. You have a gun. You can't say, hey, I feel like people are coming after me type thing. Um, I'm doing this to protect myself. I really, you know, and I was like, man, that's rough. Mm -hmm. Like to get the whole insider view of that, that life of how hard it is kind of. Yeah. um, You literally just have to completely geographically separate yourself but where do you go yeah you know what i mean yeah so. well because if you go so around here in halton louisiana it's just like rustin louisiana we don't exactly have a big uh understanding of gang lifestyle mm-hmm. now we have these little punks that run around and they think that they're in a gang or they think that they're this hardened criminal but you go to say new york or california um, some of these big cities where the bloods and the crips and uh, the gang lifestyle is real evident. Yeah. Man, it's a whole nother thing um, that I have absolutely no experience with whatsoever when it comes to a gang lifestyle. All I do know is that when you talk about that lifestyle, really the only way for anybody to get out of is through Christ and through that relationship with him. Uh, really, it's the only way any of us ever get out of anything mm-hmm. is being washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, Michael Francis, um, guy that came and, and shared his testimony November 2nd, 2014, uh, the day that I gave my life to Christ. You know, he was a mobster um, and not just a self-made. He was a made mobster, like took the blood oath and uh, only way out of that's in a box, you know, but he ended up getting arrested um, and ended up giving his life to Christ through a lot of pretty amazing things. And, you know, him leaving that life, they should have killed him. Uh, matter of fact, several magazines said that he has basically signed his own death wish. 
Um, but he's still alive today, and he travels, and he preaches the gospel message. He's not hiding. He's not trying to go into witness protection. He said, man, the blood of Jesus has covered me, has washed me clean. Uh, I'm not afraid. I'm going to keep doing what I want to, what, what God has for me to do. Um, and I think there's a lot of us out there today who maybe we're not in the gang lifestyle. If you're listening and you're in the gang lifestyle, holler at me. I have a lot of questions for you. Um, would love to pick your brain on some things. Um, but then there's a lot of us that are listening to this podcast, and we can't even spell gang. Um, we, we think that every person of another race is in a gang. Um, and so we don't really understand that. And But we ourselves are trapped in something else, kind of like that gang lifestyle. There's some of us that are listening trapped in pornography. And we, when we get home, man, our wife or our husband, because the percentage of women becoming addicted to pornography now, Hunter, is is unreal. It's pretty uh, high. It's pretty high. I want to... I think 50 to 55% of pastors pastors are have an addiction to wow. pornography. Oh man, it's again, that's just like drugs. It doesn't pick or choose who it goes after. What's the women's percentage? Did you just google it? I just typed in stats. Let's see. But anyway, while he's looking up those stats, I mean, being trapped in an addiction to pornography is I would say just as hard to break free from um, as being in that gang lifestyle because sexual addiction and sexual, when we fall into sexual immorality, that is the one sin that comes against our, our body in a fool. Uh, God didn't intend for us to have multiple partners. He didn't intend for us to look at pornography and to experience these things that the world says is okay. Uh, that's why the Bible says, Paul says it multiple times, to flee from all sexual immorality uh, because it is a sin that comes against your body. And, man, what are the stats? So 25% of search engine requests are related to sex. That's not really porn, though. And then 35% of downloads from the Internet are pornographic. 35% of downloads are pornographic. 40 million Americans say they regularly visit porn sites. 70% of men aged 18 to 24 visit a porn site at least once a month. Dang. The largest consumer group of online porn is men between the ages of 35 and 49. One-third of all Internet porn users are women. That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Sunday is the most popular day of the week for viewing, and Thanksgiving is the most popular day of the year for viewing. Really? That's yeah. odd. That is crazy. Holidays, I guess. I don't know. Sunday is the busiest day for looking at porn. Let's see if I can find a different one about... Different percentage on the. I know there's a lot of people probably wondering. I'm looking at scripture real quick, trying to find this. Where is it? All right, First Corinthians chapter six. Let's see. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or who commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality 
or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. All right, here's some good, here's a little infographic. Go for it. So 12% of websites on the internet are pornographic, which I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but there's got to be millions. So for for almost 15% of that to just be devoted to one thing is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, every second, $3,075 is spent on pornography. Every second. Every second? How much? $3,075.64. $3,700. And I was listening, but I forgot. What? $3,075.64. Every second. Okay. Let's see. Also, every second, there's 28,258 internet users viewing porn. So that's how much is made every minute. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 184,000 change. Every minute is what's spent. 40 million Americans are... Regular visitors to porn sites. One in three porn viewers are women. So we already figured that out. Mm. Um, 70% of men, we already figured that out. Um, In the U.S., internet porn pulls in $2.84 billion per year. The entire worldwide industry is worth $4.9 billion. So America has half... Half of the the porn um, industry, financially, we support Um, in America. It's actually a little over half. Um, 2.5 billion emails per day are pornographic. That's crazy. Uh, 25% of all search engine requests are pornographic-related. That's 68 million searches a day. Wow. Wow. A day. 68 million searches a day. And I, here's the thing. I used to contribute to a lot of that. Uh, I mean, porn was one of my very first addictions when I was, I guess, when whenever we got a computer in the house mm-hmm. uh, and learned how to use the Internet. That's uh, I got curious as a 12-year-old boy and started looking at pornography, and that grew uh, into a pretty vicious little animal. Matter of fact, I even struggled with it when I first gave my life to Christ. First surrender, you know, God took the meth from me instantly. I never desired it. Never, it was never something that tempted me. Now, one day it could come back, and there'd be that temptation there. I'm not saying that. I'm I'm saying that God has restored me from that, um, but I'm also saying that the devil is crafty, and if I don't keep my guard up in that, he could easily bring it back into my life. And alcohol, same thing. But, man, the sex and, and pornography, when I first gave my life to Christ in the early years, it was still a battle and still a struggle, and I had to set things in play, um, set things in place that I still use even today. Um, when we were, had a, the New Year's Eve party and everybody was using their phone to get on the Internet to play that game, I couldn't get on the Internet because I can't Google anything on my phone um, can't look at it doesn't even matter if the website's Toys R Us it's still restricted because uh, I'm not going to walk around with something in my pocket that if I get alone and if I get by myself then 
I'm eased that temptation's there. My laptop, I can't Google like very few things, very few websites am I able to use. Matter of fact, you are the parental um nice in parental control <laughs> on my laptop. Did you know that's what you were doing that day? I had a I had a feeling. Yeah. I guess I, it didn't matter. Rolled in with the laptop, said put in a password, hundred <clears throat> put one in. I said close that down. He closed it and I opened up my kitty filled um site. I don't know. Whatever. You're the parental control and I guess I'm the child on that laptop. That's nice. fun to say. Yeah. Um yeah, there's all there's a lot of things like that though too. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you have a support person um that you really trust, um normally it's somebody that's kind of been through it um that you genuinely you know, you never really know. Yeah. But um that it'll send like a daily report to that mm-hmm. person. What is that called? Uh, um Covenant Eyes? Yeah, something yeah, like that. I had Covenant Eyes for a long time and then I just found that Covenant Eyes does cost money and I didn't have the money, so we just completely shut the internet down on my phone. And uh, you have to set boundaries, and you have—I don't know how we got on this topic, but it's, I guess it's because we're both ADD. But uh, <laughs> I'm serious. It's just, and I think too because a lot of people don't want to talk about porn, and they mm-hmm. don't want to talk about sex as an addiction um, because the world tells us that. You know, I remember. When I, I lost my virginity at a young age and the people that I was hanging around, when that happened, they said, well, the more you do it, the better you'll be for when you get married. So you're basically what they were telling me is I was practicing for my wife. And, man, that is definitely not what the Bible teaches, but that's really what a lot of kids and young adults in this world think. Mm-hmm. Have as much as I can with as many people as I can so that when I get married, I've got it all out of my system. I've done with that. I'm going to be focused on my wife. But you find that when you get married, that's not the case. You know, because God intended sex to be between a man and a woman, a married man and a married woman brought together. God said, what I've brought together, let no man separate. And when you have sex with your wife or with your husband, you are bonded together in a way that God only intended you to be bonded with your husband or with your wife. And when you have sex with multiple partners, you're bonded in that way with all those different partners. And, man, psychologically, it messes with you. Uh, I always make a point to tell youth groups, I try to work it in the best way that I can to where it's not awkward because, unfortunately, you can listen to songs about sex, you can watch movies about sex, but when a preacher mentions sex, everybody laughs and they're like, yeah childish and we need to grow up but anyway sorry that was a (laughs) i always try to mention about sex because that's the one thing that i couldn't give my wife i could not give her knowing that i had been faithful and that i had waited for her in my life because i hadn't and she was she wasn't the first person that i ever had sex with and and i can never get that back once it's gone, it's gone. You can't get your words back once you say them. You can't get your times back once you waste them. And you can't get your virginity back once you lose it. Uh, and so I had to go into my marriage with that, and there was a lot of a lot of growth that had to come from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? and that that's one thing I think a lot of people don't know is whether it's sex or pornography is how much it has an effect on your brain. Mm-hmm. 
Like it literally it's just as much as cocaine. your brain. Yeah, yeah it's like, just like any other addiction. There is a study out there. Uh, it's a men's study. I don't know much about women's because I'm not a women a woman. And um, but there's a phenomenal study called the Conquer series. It's a eight or ten week series um, DVD series. They send you a workbook, all these things. Me and some friends in Ruston did it. Uh, it was phenomenal, man. It really just it's not one of those sex ed classes. No, they get down into what does the scripture say about sex and how do we spiritually fight this war against pornography, against sex? How? What do we do? And, it, man, it breaks down some good stuff, and it sets in some really good things for accountability. So I would encourage you, if you're a man and you're listening to this and you have a pornography addiction, a sexual addiction, know this, that you're not alone. Um, that you're not the first person to go through this and you won't be the last person to go through this. Find an accountability partner that will hold you accountable, not one that just says, oh, well, you looked at porn this week. That's okay. Get better. No, find one that will truly call you out on your sin and, and help you grow in it. Yeah. But um, so there's a um, another thing that um, I've, I've specifically read, and it's called... Um, your brain on porn. And uh, I think it's actually by covenant eyes, what we were just talking about. And so it just goes in detail and it talks about how, what, what porn does to um, kind of like we were just talking about warp your brain. It goes through and says it shapes the way you um, view women. It shapes the way um, it morphs your sexual satisfaction. Um, what was it? It desensitizes, it desensitizes you to cruelty. Um, just a bunch of, it's got a bunch of different points and it explains those. Um, it's just kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the big things. I didn't realize the um, the psychological effect until I read this thing. It's funny. I always, I always go back and read it too because I saved it to my computer and I know somebody's going to look at it one day and like take a double take because it pops up every time I search something on my computer. Like I could search, I don't know, um, don't give up. Give and like G, that, yeah. your brain on porn pops up <laughs> yeah. every time. So um, it's, um, I, but I think the reason like pornography is rampant in everything, which, you know, your pornography addiction eventually, what, man, there was a serial killer. Um, Ted Bundy? Yeah, we just get the intro, bam, boom, dun, dun. And I believe it was Ted Bundy who, when he was interviewed, I mean, this dude murdered. They On record, it's not that, there, I say it's not that many. One murder is, a, is plenty, but I think there was like 30-something women that he murdered, but some people think he committed over 100 murders. And he said in his when he was interviewed, that it started with a mild pornography addiction when he was 12 or 13. So you th- you look at this, a, a 12 to 13-year-old boy starts looking at pornography. That addiction grows into some violent pornography, um, and then he takes that and begins to act on it in his physical life, and he turns into a rapist, he turns into a murderer, and eventually gets caught and yeah, you know, I mean, it's just pornography is not something that needs to be left alone. It is something that needs to be talked about. 
It is something that needs to be discussed, and it's something that we've got to get a hold of and fight. Yeah, I feel like as too that social media doesn't help in desensitizing. I wouldn't necessarily convict social media of, um, you know, showing us pornography, but um, it's borderline pretty much mm-hmm. close in it's some soft. some ways. So I don't have Instagram. Everybody's like, man, you need Instagram. It'll really help your ministry. No, I'm not trusting in social media to grow my ministry. I'm trusting in the Holy Spirit to grow his ministry. And mm-hmm. the reason I don't have Instagram is because, man, like, you can look at anything you want to on Instagram. Um, just about, just, if you want to. Just about. You know, Facebook, it's not as bad because it's, I guess, the most mature um, as far as there's filters and, and stuff like that to where you can't post certain things, mm-hmm. um, which I'm very appreciative of. And um, and Snapchat, I ain't got one of those. Uh, so, I mean, parents, you really need to Google and not – I mean, you really need to get understanding of apps and things to not allow your yes. kids to have. That's your what kids- I was going to talk about is um, we've all, me and Lindsay, you know, of course we have a long way to go and technology will develop much further by the time we get there. But um, like when Andy Kate grows up, it's not going to be uh, – she could have a phone at a certain age or something, but it's I'm going to – make for sure that there's no possible way to get any type of social media mm-hmm. because and that's the one thing I guess as a parent is you don't want your kid to grow up being the different kid but I'd rather my kid grow up being different and not broken um, because I I we're not used to it because mm-hmm. I grow up I grew up right on the um, edge of it so I guess when I was in middle school, Going into high school was when social media started to kind of explode. Yeah, Exanga. Yeah, I but, got my first fight over that. But, <laughs> but other than that, like I had no view of anybody outside of my neighborhood. Like mm. what I did for fun every day was ride around, ride up and down streets on my bike, and I we would as kids just stick together like like. Somebody would be like, oh, look, there's Hunter, and they would come ride. Mm-hmm. And we'd get a big enough gang together where we would be like, all right, let's do something stupid or let's do something fun. And yeah. so um, that's normally how it happened, where now you have kids that dress a certain way, act a certain way, or influence a certain way because they're exposed to, you know, you have you have a kid who's in middle school who's what, thirteen, mm-hmm. fourteen years old, who's trying to be like this person who's twenty five years old. That they because, follow on social because media. Because they follow them on social media. So if the twenty five year old gets on and dances to a song that whether the dancing here's where what I'm thinking of is I've I just started following this thing. Um it let me know how out of date because that's what I I went through a time where on Instagram I was like if it's not in any way beneficial to me I'm unfollowing it mm-hmm. and I don't go look I don't I, I unless it's something where I'm like just completely interested in I won't say that I don't go looking for stuff but like if it's something that you know I I, I know it might be inappropriate and I look at it I'll figure out what I wanted to know and I'll get rid of it or whatever. And I mean inappropriate as it could be something that's visually inappropriate or just informationally inappropriate or mm-hmm. has language, all that kind of stuff. So um, I don't have 
like TikTok. I have Instagram and I have Facebook. Those are the two main things I use. I technically have a Twitter, but I never get yeah. on it. Well, it's, if you never get on it, you're fixing to lose it. Why? Twitter's getting rid of accounts that hadn't been used in X amount of time. Well, I don't use it anyway. So. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't tweet. <laughs> yeah. I, I tried. I tried to tweet. I just suck at it. Yeah. But um, anyway, so I'll, I, I saw TikTok and like you see girls or no here's here's how it first started so i followed this page on instagram they post memes mm. so when they post these memes like i don't know what what is happening like mm-hmm. they're saying things because that's the part of a meme is you kind of have to understand culture to understand what the meme's talking about and that's so i was like i guess i'm getting old mm-hmm. getting out of date but um they posted things that happened in the last decade and it was like you know we got ipads you know we got FaceTime and Instagram was in the last decade. And so they were like, list your new thing in the decade. And one person listed a girl. She was on TikTok. And there was a comment thread of like 600 people talking about this girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they were like, she's young. She's 15, blah, blah, blah. There wasn't anything that said she's inappropriate. But I was just like, why does this girl have so much publicity? So I click, I click on this link to this girl's page. And it's a 15-year-old girl. She's famous pretty much because of TikTok and she just posts videos and they're not some of the dancing I guess would be she doesn't really dress too inappropriate for the most part but she's just dancing to these songs and she is famous but like the they just kind of the songs that are being played mm-hmm. um the kind of lifestyle that's suggested I guess that you can you, you can't convict her of anything but you can kind of assume mm-hmm. by where she is what's happening um, it's just, I'm like, she's 15. She can't even drive a car. Well, here's where this comes from. We have kids that are parents that are raising kids. You yeah. know, you have, so our generation is the generation to where it has become acceptable to have to have kids outside of marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not at all getting on here bashing um, people that, have had children outside of marriage, uh, not at all saying that. Um, but what has happened is when we just kind of overlook something like that, you know, when we overlook that and, uh, I mean, it becomes something that overtakes everything. And now we have these kids that are raising kids, and they're raising yeah. these kids alone. Um, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate mail for my my stance on that, but if— we allow these kids to see that we don't think anything, we don't take sex as something that we hold to a high standard. We don't see it as a holy thing. We don't see it as something that God ordained. We don't see it as something that we should respect. We just see it as something that excites us, something that satisfies us for 15 seconds. To, I mean, we don't see it as what the Bible talks about it as. And, and man, we've got to get a hold of it. Or it's going to continue growing, and you're going to see a lot more 13-, 12-year-old girls and guys, and you're going to see a lot more um, suicide through this because yeah. parents guard your kids. Um, you are their guardians. You God gave you them. Not so that you can make them famous on some TikTok video. Um, because here's, you need to know this too. There are not near enough arrests for adults that look at child pornography. 
because one of the greatest places that perverted men and perverted women look at child porn is social media because you think it's cute that your daughter can dance like Beyonce and you post it, more than likely there's some perverted old man that's watching it thinking something very inappropriate about your daughter. You need to step up as a mom, step up as a dad. If you're a single mom, single dad, step up as both of them. Uh, but you need to guard your kids or else they're going to grow up in a seductive world and it's you just need to guard them. Yeah, I was that what brought all this to to fruition, I guess, is I have a guitar student and she was telling me about we got on the topic of other things that I'm not necessarily up to date in culture with mm-hmm. and she was making fun of me because I don't know anything. But um she had mentioned to me before, she was like, My parents don't all I have is a Pinterest. She said my Pinterest is private and nobody can see what I like or post except for my mom. So um, I asked her because I always was like, my, my, my kid is going to hate me if mm. I restrict all this kind of stuff. And she was, I was like, so do you like hate your life? Like you just try to, are you always trying to download the apps like without your mom knowing? She's like, oh no. She's like, I mean, I kind of want Instagram, but I'm fine. Yeah. I like, they'll you be fine. Phones? Like, yeah. I remember when, uh, when cell phones came out, like the iPhone, um, when that was the big deal, I went to a school where just about every kid had an iPhone um, when they first came out. Kids in my grade, I think we were in junior high, I didn't get no cell phone. Uh, I got a Razor. That was my first phone. And if I could ever find nice. I'd, hey, Yeah, I'm they're a, trying to bring back the Razor. They need to. Man, that was the coolest phone. But well, that's a cool phone. Your kids don't need a phone. Don't let your kids be the parents. You be the parents. And you know what? Give them a phone when they are responsible enough to have one. Uh, guard their phone. We'll look at it. There's apps you can get to where you can see what your kids are doing. Um, I encourage you to get those. And, man, just be a parent. Don't be a friend. Uh, you know, that's, I think, the biggest problem is too many parents try to be friends with their kids. Yet, Yes, you should. I mean, your kids should love you. They should respect you. But... In the end, you have to be the one that that is the parent. Don't try to be their friend. Uh, you know, be be their parent, and they'll love you for that. In the end. Yep. So we're right at forty two minutes. Oh, a nice Causey. long one. Got to give a shout out to Brent Causey. He's been requesting longer podcast. There he goes. There you go. This Got next one's going to be about twenty minutes. Yeah. yeah. But right. um. Yeah, and I, I feel like we got some stuff accomplished. I feel like we, we talked about a lot of different things. Folks, yeah. for those of you that don't know, we have no script. We sit down. Hunter says, what are we talking about? I said, I don't know. Ask questions. We'll go from there. So that's why we need you to send us questions that you would like us to talk about, not stuff like how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood. Uh, my wife, her lovely self, asked that question, the answer, a lot. Uh, Kathy Felicity, she asked us how, why did the chicken really cross the road? Because they were just going to McDonald's, getting away from Chick-fil-A, or I don't know. Yeah. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Um, and then what was it? What does the fox say? Ring, ding, 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 ding. I mean, that's already been discovered. So, yes, that yeah. has been discovered. So, but we'll get to the more serious questions on another episode. We just got to the that stuff today. So you want to pray us out? Yeah, let me Luke? pray us out. Father, we love you. 
God, I thank you so much for technology, Lord, that we're able to use this to reach people. Um, and so, God, we pray for those that are listening who are trapped in a pornography addiction or a sex addiction, God, praying that they will um, be set free from that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, that they will trust you, that they will, uh, Lord, first admit their problem and confess it to you. And Lord, your word says that you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we first confess. So Father, we pray that you protect us, Lord, that you use us, and God, that we will take the gospel even further this year in 2020, reaching more lost, reviving more Christians, God, and our own selves as well. Um, We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Peace Peace out.